0: Well, good morning. It's great to see you. Man, isn't it beautiful when we get into the presence of God and he just, he moves and speaks and ministers and does a beautiful thing in family and this is why we gather. You know, the, you know our Sundays aren't our high point, but they sure are a great time with God. You know, what he does in here to equip us to just uh, realign the landscape of our hearts to his heart and what he does is he equips us and builds us and strengthens us and speaks his word to us prophetically it's just beautiful do we love being here or what it's amazing i could come here every week in fact i do i should that was a sarcastic comment because i was away last week Hey, um, let's dive straight in. We are uh, we're in a series uh, fruit that remains. You remember we spent the the back part of last year looking at the root system of our life and healthy roots, creating healthy fruit. And we're looking again and zeroing in around a passage in Galatians that helps us understand there's a different way to live that actually that nurture nurturing this environment of our lives that is filled with Holy Spirit produces very different fruits. Remember Galatians five twenty two to. Twenty three says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things there is no law. And it's beautiful because, as Paul wrote those things is he identified the the beautiful nature of what happens when Holy Spirit is is permeating our lives, that fruit grows and it, it's, it's very different to the kind of fruit of our lives when we are distant from God or when God is not a part of our lives and you can read the verses that preceded that verse I've just read and you, you'll hear language that describes just a, a life that's devoid of connection and relationship to God. But right here what we're going after, what we're seeking to see and allow the Lord establishing our lives is not just an information about the Holy Spirit, but is a formation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And uh, that's what we're going after. And I want to focus our time that we have um, today in and around the fruit of peace in our lives, the fruit, the Spirit that produces peace. If you've got your Bibles, pull them out. It might look like an iPhone, might look like an iPad, that's okay, we live in a digital age, feel free to pull those out. Two passages of scripture we're going to be in today, Um, Philippians 4, verses 4 to 7, so if you've got a physical Bible, go ahead and open there, stick a finger in there. And then you can turn as well to Matthew 8, verses 23 to 27. Those verses will come up on the screen, but if you've got a Bible, it's really helpful. And Feel free to take notes. Some of this stuff, as you kind of go through this week, allow the Lord to speak to you. Don't just think that you'll grab little nuggets from today, but let this stuff land in your life and let it grow. Um, I want to really look at today, peace. How do we get it and how do we keep it? So if you want a title, if you want something that's nice and snappy for you to think, what do we talk about on Sunday? We talked about peace. How do we get it and how do we keep it? I think if we're honest, um, with ourselves, if you, if you look around even, um, both globally and maybe a little bit more closer to home, if you look around at the circumstances that are going on around us politically, uh, socially, economically, ecologically, if you look at the news internationally, nationally, even locally, we are surrounded, uh, by a pretty crazy world. There's chaos. There is crime. There's upheaval. There is, uh, there's tragedy. In our own lives, we can maybe see that in some measure, but as we as we flick on the TV and watch the news, we are acutely aware of the state of play going on around us. There's a bit um, in Romans, Romans 3, where Paul is talking about a world that doesn't know God. Paul's talking about a world devoid of a knowledge and understanding of God, and this is what he says in Romans three seventeen. He says, "...and they have not known the path of peace." There's something about the chaos of the world and and the reality of worldliness that ultimately does not know the path of peace. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, that would be be what we would see. That would be what we get reflected back from our TV screens as we look at what's going on in the world. And yet Jesus says this in John 14, 27. He says this, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In other words, Jesus is saying, I've got a gift of peace that you can discover, that you can live in, that means you don't have to live troubled or afraid. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? That's heartening. That actually, there's a gift that God that Jesus wants to give us that means that the reality of, of, of fear and, and being troubled and being afraid no longer needs to be a part of my life, because there's a different gift which Jesus wants to give me. Like that's good news. That's what Jesus says right into the very heart of what we're going to look at today. "Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you." But as we'll discover today, um, there's a very different way for us to live in the light of that promise. That's a promise from Jesus. And we get to, I love it when we get to discover truth and promise because we get to live our light, our life in the light of those truths. Those promises actually become something of a firm foundation on which we build our lives, right? That's what happens when we discover truth. When there's revelation from heaven, be it through scripture or be it through his word to us, whenever we get revelation, it's always to build a foundation in our lives on which we live, on which we build. And it's no different to this revelation, this gift, this understanding that we are given peace and peace is a foundational place in which we are to live and exist, So let's pray together as we jump into these scriptures together. Father, I thank you for your presence already. or Everything you've been speaking as we've been gathered together already. The Holy Spirit, you want to create a momentum in our lives that causes us to grow beautiful things. That there are truths and promises that you are showing to us in your word that, that really do change our lives. It changes not just a a thought pattern or a context or a, or, a, or a paradigm, but it actually changes the way that we live. So, Father, we ask that this morning that we'd come into line with your word and your Holy Spirit, and that fruit really would grow from our lives, that we would demonstratively see in the weeks and months ahead, that we'd look back at this moment where you opened our eyes to the reality of the gift of peace, to the reality of a life lived in that place of peace, that we would look back and say, God, my life changed at that point. So we thank you in advance for all that you want to do, in Jesus' name. Amen. The word that... Um, Paul used um, back in that passage in Galatians, the fruit, the Spirit passage. The, the word that Paul used there in Galatians is a Greek word, ireni, um, which has several different definitions. But there's a context which um, Paul uses that word in this passage that, that we're building this whole series around. I'll, I'll help you understand. But some of the definitions of Irene, this piece is this, that it would be a state of national tranquility. Well, that would be nice. That would be nice to live in a state of national tranquility, an exemption from rage and havoc and war. Uh, another meaning for that Irene peace, is this, that it's a, it's a peace between individuals where there's harmony and there's concord. But the 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 definition that I believe in, because of the context of this word irene that, that Paul uses here, there's a context to it which which I think this definition of the word is more what we're looking at today, and that is this. It's the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. Say that again. The tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God... And content with its earthly lot, or whatever so, of, of whatever sort, that is. The amplified version of the Galatians five passage just helps set the context of really what we're talking about, the type of peace we're we're talking about. In uh, Galatians five, it, it talks about an inner peace. That the spirit creates a fruit, a fruit which is an inner peace. And there's the context, there's where we're, that's what we're looking at. We're not talking necessarily about um, the resolution of world wars or the resolution of turmoil between nations. We're actually looking today, we're zeroing in on what's going on inside here. That's where we're focusing today. This is the, the peace, this gift of peace that Jesus gave to us. And that's where we're going to focus our thoughts. Matthew. This is where we're going to be. So, you go to Bibles. Matthew eight, twenty-three to twenty-seven. It'll be a familiar story to some of you, but um, let's jump in. <clears throat> this is talking about Jesus. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a ferocious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, ye of little faith, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So we have a story, Jesus, the disciples, boat, storm. Frantic response to the storm. Jesus is awoken. He calms the storm, and there's amazement. Let's uh, be absolutely clear about this situation. Jesus is in, in entirely the same situation as his disciples. He's physically there in the boat. He's experiencing the very same reality of the storm that the disciples are experiencing. He's experiencing waves. He's experiencing water. He's experiencing noise and commotion. Probably the reality of these disciples screaming. He's experiencing it all. He's not He's not somehow uh, removed himself from the boat. He's there, very present in the boat. Can imagine he's probably experiencing all of this stuff and is he's flitting in between moments of sleep. He's hearing the screams and the cries of the disciples until the point where they get to they get into complete chaos, complete panic, and they wake him up. It's interesting as well from this passage, that you've got to understand that the, the storm wasn't going on around the boat. Like it's the, the passage is really clear: there's water pouring into the boat. Like this is not something that's just going on external to the situation in the boat. This storm and the boat are at one and there is chaos. And it's the same with our lives. Storms go on around our lives, right? But there's a difference between challenge and storm going on around our lives and the time and the moment when that storm begins to, the waves of that storm begin to start crashing in on my life, right? Like we can, at some level, we may need to edit this for our American friends, at some level we can look at what's going on over there in America and we can go, wow, there's some turbulent storms going on over there, right? But as soon as those storms begin to lap into our world and they begin to impact our world, like there's, it's like, oh, this is not just a storm out there, this is a storm in here. There's, there's effects that happen. You know, you might know that in your own life that, that, that you, you see situations that are hovering, storms that are swirling around your own life. But then when it be, when it comes to land on the landscape and in the situation of your life, it's a different matter, right? This is yes. This is no. We're a family. We can do this. This is yes, right? There's a difference between just challenging situations around us and challenging situations that land right in my house and in my home. And yet, all the while, Jesus is sleeping. There's a picture of perfect peace that we get when we see Jesus right in the middle of this situation. And then we see what he does. He, he gets up. Other translations say that he stepped up into the very, he arose. And he stepped up into the very face of the situation and he took control. Mark's account of this same story says that he spoke to the, we, uh, the waves and the wind and the storm and he, and he said, Peace, be still. He commanded peace, and the result was calm. Peace be still, and it was calm. But let me tell you this. Peace is not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. Let me say that again. Peace in this situation, in our situation, peace is not the absence of something, but it is the presence of someone. And this is what the disciples came to realize in a moment, as that someone arose and who he was took effect on what was going on around him. Peace wasn't present when Jesus got up and spoke peace. Peace was present the whole time. Just the disciples have failed to see that peace was present the whole time and it was there in the life and the sleep of Jesus. Because peace isn't the absence of something, it's the presence of someone. Jesus, who, who lives above the elements, who lives counter to the situations around him, who commands the winds and the waves, this, this person, this prince of peace, this Jesus, he's the one who's taken up residency in my life and yours. Peace is not the absence of a situation, it is the presence of the one, the prince of peace. And this is the foundation on which we build our lives. So what about peace? Practically, let's dive into it. Let's look at some scripture that I think helps us unravel um, the process of, of coming to not just an awareness and acknowledge that peace is Christ, not just that peace is Uh, and the absence of difficult situations but it's actually the partnership between the truth of of Jesus positioned and in my life and the role I have to steward and nurture this peace. So peace, how do I get it and how do I keep it? Flick over to Philippians 4 verses 4 to 7 I'm going to read this to you and then we're going to pull it apart and see what we've got to do rejoice in the Lord always again I say it again rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near don't be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and by petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful, rich passage, and I think it helps really give us a roadmap uh, to the kind of peace that we can experience and live from. And so that's why I want to zero in on on this particular passage for the rest of our time this morning. So so what is this peace? Well, if we come to the end of that passage, verse 7, it says this. The peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So at some level, peace is that prevailing substance of the atmosphere of God, the atmosphere of heaven. Peace to to which touches our spirit, our soul, and our body. Peace, the environment that engulfs a person's life whereby our hearts are somehow guarded and protected as peace tames every opposition that surrounds us. This is the peace that we're talking about right here. This passage here is where, um, where Paul is writing. It's just really helpful, but it takes a little bit of unraveling. I find this with a lot of scripture, that as you read scripture, you'll land on something that's really important. Then you have to go back to look at the preceding bit to understand, how did I get there? And it's the same with these verses. It's the same with these verses. Because if you break it up between verse 4 and verse 7, you understand that there is a there's an, there's an instruction, there's a key to peace. And then there's a promise of peace. So almost in reverse, we have to understand there's a promise of peace. Now we have to look back and consider, oh right, what's my my place? What's my part? What's this journey? What are the keys that I have to take hold of that are going to lead me into this place of peace? So let's read it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evidence to all. The Lord is near do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and then comes the result the fruit of all of that activity the and is what separates and verse 7 and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and make your mind uh, sorry guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus In other words, this peace, one that goes beyond anything that we can fathom, anything we can get our head around, this kind of peace that protects your heart and your mind, it comes as a result of taking some responsibility, right? There are some things that that we're instructed to take hold of and to do. Let's explore these things because if we explore them, we'll understand how do I get peace, but more importantly, how do I keep peace? Firstly, before we unpack verses four to six, um, it's really worth noting that um, that this peace that we get to live in is described as a peace that transcends all understanding. In other words, to get hold of this peace fully, we have to get let go of our right to understand. Okay. For this kind of peace to land in our lives and to be nurtured and to grow, we have to forfeit our right to understand why. So if we're confronted in our life um, with a situation or a season that's causing us to feel an absence of peace, at some level we have to be okay with not knowing why. Peace does land in our lives. In other words, it's going to have to be okay that we don't understand why we fully, why when we experience a a life fully at peace when we have no reason to. Right? Bill Johnson puts it like this very succinctly. I've just used two minutes. He says it like this To experience the peace that passes understanding, we have to give up our right to understand. I wish I could have said it just like that. But there is, there's this this challenging journey with, with recognizing we're going to have something land in our life that we are to steward and nurture that by all accounts we can't fathom or understand and at some level doesn't make sense. That there will be times and seasons when we will experience and feel the fullness of peace despite the reality of everything that our circumstances will tell us. And at that point, we have to unlock our natural reasoning to say, I have every reason to be peaceless, but I feel peaceful. I'm full of peace. Now, I don't understand that fully, but I'm choosing to trust that that is the case. Verse 4 is the starting point to our journey. Rejoice in the Lord always. I love this and I love if you weren't here last week, go back and listen to the podcast. Um, Andrew just did a beautiful job unpacking joy for us. But but rejoice simply just means this: take joy. It's a proactive, intentional thing that we get to do. It's not a when we start to feel peaceful, then rejoice. It's a set sail on a journey of joy and you'll find peace. Rejoice. Take joy. Always, in every situation, every season of life, take joy. You know, I believe that no matter what you're facing, what waves or storms are crashing down on your life, however you feel in that situation, you can still take joy. You can still take joy. Joy that you're still alive. Joy that you've got breath in your lungs. Joy that you have a roof over your head. Joy that you have food on the table. There are so many things that you can take joy over. Even when, when big storms come crashing down on your life, you can take joy. And listen, if that is feels like it's too much, you don't feel like there's anything good that you can take joy Rejoice over. Let me tell you, you can take joy over your salvation. Listen, if you, if you can't muster up any sense of appreciation for anything in your life, take an appreciation of the fact that Jesus loved you, that the Father loved you enough to send His one and only Son. Rejoice. Take joy in your salvation. Take joy that your name is written in the book of life. Take joy in the fact that you have a Father creator of heaven and earth who sees you and knows you and loves you, take joy rejoice I love the verse that Andrew brought last week, Psalm 51 verse 12 restore to me the joy of your salvation there's this taking of joy from the reality of my eternal destination and my relationship with Father God, I get to take joy, rejoice So verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Look how verse 4 continues. Because if we didn't quite get it, I will say it again. Take joy. Listen, you can take, I could repeat the whole point again, but the reality is I'm not going to full time. But take joy. There's something serious about this. If, If you ever find a place in the Bible where there's a repetition, like prick your ears back, write it down twice. Because it's important. It's the start of the journey. Taking joy is starting the journey. It's setting out our sails and say, I'm going to let joy fill the sails of my life because I'm on a journey towards peace. So I'll say it again. Take joy. More rejoicing. Get a hold of it. Establish it. Build it. It's proactive. It's intentional. Take joy. Verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. It's an interesting one, this. If you think back to the disciples in the boat, you know, chaos around them was responded by chaos in them and then through them. You know, the natural reaction often to situations of challenge that happens around us is we fight fire with fire. We respond. We react more, actually. We react to the things around us. If we're attacked, we react and we become offensive. Our reactions to the things that cause us to feel a lack of peace typically lead us to respond out of fear and anxiety. That's what happens when the, the waves and the storms of life begin to start to crash in on my life. is our, it's our reaction is one of fear and anxiety. And we go around a cycle and a circle of fear and more anxiety and fear and more anxiety. And all of a sudden we're, trying, we're reacting to people and situations from that place of fear and anxiety. And the Bible's really clear. It, it, it's saying put on something different. Live in a different way. Live from a place of gentleness. I love the fact that what it's actually saying is let's go and pull on another fruit of the Spirit and let's display that because there's something in the reality of us living from a place of gentleness that is a conduit for peace internally and externally as we respond through gentleness. Don't react through fear and anxiety, but respond with gentleness. It's something you get to be in control of. It's our choice. It's a decision of our will. Are we going to choose, when we are confronted by fear and anxiety, are we going to choose to respond, to react out of that fear and anxiety, or are we going to choose to respond in a very different way and with a very different measure, something that actually creates an environment where peace can come. And that response is gentleness. It's our choice. It's our decision. We get to choose. And I love that about this because listen, when we get to choose, it reminds us, when, when the Bible instructs us here to to um to choose gentleness, it reminds me that I'm really powerful. Like the reality is that so often we, we, in life, we, we're just going around and life is happening to us and we're reacting as if we're powerless. As if I don't have a choice in terms of the stuff that's hitting me, you're just gonna get whatever comes back. Life isn't just happening to you. You're not powerless. There's a decision of will and there's a decision of choice that you get to walk in that says, I can can absolutely feel all sorts of anxiety and fear, but my response will be gentleness. My response will be to pursue the way of peace internally and then externally as I respond in a very different way. Verse 5, the Lord is near. I love that Paul just throws that in there. Because it's a reminder. It actually takes us back to what we talked about right at the beginning that the reality that Jesus is in the boat of my life. Like the Lord is near, He is present. And remember, peace is not the absence of a situation, it's not the absence of something, it's the presence of someone. This Prince of Peace, this Lord of Lords, this King of Kings who resides in me. It's a game changer. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Wow, this is so rich. At some level, we, our starting point is really to fight anxiety. It's to stand our ground against anxiety. And there's some things in that that we can learn. And the key to this journey starts with our recognition that, you know what? anxiety doesn't have a place in my life it doesn't have a place it's not like anxiety and a life nurturing peace they are they do not coexist so that's my starting place anxiety it doesn't have a place in my life right so if you are sitting here today and you're conscious you know I there are things I'm anxious about. Well, the starting point is, all right, well, there's some, there's some work for me to do. There's some truth for me to partner with because the truth of the matter is, no matter how I feel, the truth of the matter is that actually anxiety has no place in my life. This is what the Bible says. In every situation. Listen, nothing is too big. Nothing is too small. Nothing, there's nothing that God is not concerned about or willing uh, to respond to. There's nothing, big or small, that God's not interested in. And listen, let me tell you this. If you think that in some way there's areas of your life that you can sort of build a, a level of self-reliance on, then just stop. Self-reliance really isn't an option when it comes to walking in peace. So don't say to God, God, I've got this one, and then collapse when it all becomes too much. Reliance and dependence is found in him, the one who is present, Jesus. We're reliant and dependent on him. But in every situation, the scripture says, every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. It's so practical. Bible's so practical. There's things that we can do. There are things that we can establish, elements of our life that we can establish and build our lives upon. And those things are this. It's entirely right that we inquire of God. It's entirely right that we recognize our need of him, both fully and situationally. Like, right? I need him. Yes, yes, we all need him. But in this situation, in this moment, at this hour, God, I need you. There's a specificity. We have to be specific. (laughs) We have to be specific about our need of him. Broadly speaking, we know we need God. But he's interested and I need you now. I need you in this situation. I need you in this relationship. I need you in work. I need you in this situation environment i need you we have to be specific and then we need to learn how to express that need again self-reliance is not going to help you in this journey towards peace we have to express that and it is done and it is postured in this environment of thanksgiving it's that ability for us to say this is where i am this is how i feel but also, I can give thanks right in the middle of that. I, we've looked at this before, um, but thankful heart, thanksgiving, is an incredibly powerful uh, element to our lives. It's incredibly powerful. We've talked about this before, but thanksgiving really does come before everything else. It's been mentioned already this morning. Thanks, Thanksgiving really is a language of faith. Let me tell you why. Because if we can give thanks before we've ever seen any breakthrough, then we prophetically declare with faith the reality of the truth of who God is applied to the situation that we face. And we can live thankful. We can live in that place of thanksgiving. It's that ability to say where I am, how I feel. I can still give thanks and praise to you because you're leading me out beyond this place. You're leading me out beyond the way I feel and you are leading me into a place of peace. Now that thankfulness is, is language of faith. It's being able to say, I've got faith for what is not yet because I know the one who is faithful, right? This is the beauty of walking into peace. Thanksgiving is that language of faith, and it's a catalyst to change. And it's not even a catalyst of of a change to my circumstances. It's a catalyst to change in me. The thanksgiving allows me to catalyze peace in my heart, in my life, that leads me into peace, no matter what my circumstances do. Our circumstances don't determine our peace. What's going on inside of me and the level by which I am positioned to live in and from peace determines my peace. Right? So if you're looking for a circumstantial shift to give you peace, you're looking in the wrong direction because there is one who resides in your life that you are anchored to, who is faithful, who you can give thanks to, that creates the landscape of peace. But this, this journey in this scripture is a journey of instructing us really to inquire of God. To recognize our need. To express our need in the context of thankfulness. I think this process of, um, of really being real with God. Recognizing our need. Being able to express that is so powerful Because honestly, I think it gives us clarity about what we need to trust God in. Right? As we begin to articulate to Him, this is is how I feel, this is the situation I'm in, and this is what I need. What it does is it helps us realize and bring clarity to actually, what do I really need to trust God with? Here's an example God, I feel overwhelmed and I feel fearful because of my health. In that situation, it would be really easy. Because of fear, and because of feeling overwhelmed, to let those two things rule my life. But when I say to God, God, I'm feeling overwhelmed and fearful because of my health, I have a clarity that it's my health that I need to trust God with. I'm not needing to trust God with my fear. I'm not needing to trust God with being overwhelmed. I'm trusting him with my health. That's the thing of clarity that I lean into and I trust God in. And as we begin to articulate with clarity, this is what I need, we're then not overwhelmed and bombarded with the feelings that are associated with that need. And this is where, in, in talking to many, many people, the the spiral in their own lives of challenge comes because the, the feelings of overwhelm, the, 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 the feelings that stem from this need or challenge or situation become so overwhelming, they don't even know what they're asking God or trusting God for but actually this clarity of this is what I need. This is what I need to trust God for. Peace and trust go hand in hand. Isaiah 26 verse 3 won't come up on the screen, but it says this. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Let me personalize that to you. I will keep in perfect peace when my mind is steadfast because I trust in you. There's an intrinsic link between our journey of trusting God, trusting the one who has substance in our life, Jesus, that journey of trusting him and experiencing and knowing peace. I trust in you. My mind is steadfast. My life remains in perfect peace. Just as the band come back up, I want to close with a couple of thoughts. So why does, why does the fruit of peace remain in our lives? Well, firstly, it remains because it's the remaining of a person, right? Peace remains on my life because it's the remaining of a person, Peace is not the absence of a difficult or challenging situation. It is not the absence of storms in my life. It is the very presence of someone who speaks a higher word to any situation that might come my way. That lives beyond the circumstances of my life. that That lives beyond the oppression and the fear and the anxiety. He lives beyond all of those things and he speaks to those things. And he's in the boat of my life. You know, our partnership with truth allows us to partner with the Holy Spirit to nurture and grow peace at all times, in all situations, and in every season. Jesus is in the boat of our lives, as cheesy as that is to say. He's in the boat of my life. He's the one that allows me to face the storms. Everything and, and everything and anyone that throws itself at my life, is subject to Christ in me who is the Lord. He's the Lord over all those things. He is the very Prince of Peace. And I have to learn to live from that place. And as we've looked, there are things that I can do, and it's proactive. And I encourage you this week to start to implement those things. Take joy. Start there. Rejoice. Take joy. Start there. But peace, it is, it is the prevailing presence, the very substance of heaven of God. Peace, it is that thing that overwhelms and touches my spirit, my soul, and my body. Peace, it is that, that thing that absolutely engulfs my life when, and whereby it tames every opposition that I'm confronted with. This is peace. This is peace. Why don't you stand with me? I do love how, um, how practical and how um, simple at some level Scripture is. And when we want to step into something, there's not some mind-boggling thing to get our heads around, but there are some simple principles in Scripture that we just say, oh, that's for me to take hold of. But before we take that practical step, there is also a truth that sits over every single one of your lives, and that is the presence of Jesus. And I want to, to pray, and I'm just going to ask you, maybe if you close your eyes, and maybe, you're, maybe you can imagine in, in your mind just the things that are going on in your life, and, and maybe there are things that feel like a storm, maybe there are things that, that feel overwhelming or that are bringing you fear or anxiety, and, and uh, I want them to find their place this morning. And their place is subject to the authority of Jesus in and on your life. Listen, there's, there's, there's no other way to view or observe those things other than subject to the lordship of the prince of priests in your life. So if that's you, if you just know, you know, there are, there are things that I've not allowed to sit underneath the truth and the reality of Jesus, then just open up your hands and I just wanna pray. And there's nothing super spiritual about holding your hands out. It's just saying, I'm open, God. I'm open to what you wanna do with me in this moment. Beautiful Jesus, amazing Jesus. We welcome you again to, to make real, to make known who you are in our lives. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you help us with that, that the Holy Spirit, you make alive the reality of Jesus in our hearts and our lives. And I speak with authority over fear and anxiety, and we say that you're subject to the Lordship of Jesus. That situation, that that moment at work where your hands begin to get sweaty and you're nervous because there's oppression or there's a boss that picks on you or there's a broken relationship, whatever that is, it's subject to peace. It's subject to the Prince of Peace. Nervousness, you're subject to the Prince of Peace. Irrational fear that actually has no place in reality. Irrational fear. You are subject to the Prince of Peace. Thought life. You're subject to the Prince of Peace. this morning, Holy Spirit, we, we, again, we lean into you. We lean into you, Holy Spirit. Would you, as we partner with you, would you nurture and grow this beautiful fruit of peace in our lives? Father, would you challenge us and change us in that beautiful co-laboring with, with peace in our hearts, that there are things that we're responsible for, but they, they all rely on the foundation of truth, which is that Jesus, you're in my life. The Prince of Peace, you've laid a foundation in my life. This morning I want to just invite their prayer team, uh, you know who you are, to head over to my left, your right. And really when we kind of share on these things, it can often bring up all sorts of things that are going on, situations that you're facing, internal things that you feel like you're wrestling with. And, and sometimes the beauty of community is that we get to just stand alongside one another and declare the truth over one another. You know, sometimes because of where we find ourselves, we struggle to have hope for ourselves and we just need somebody else to stand in the gap and have hope for us. Sometimes we have got into such um, circles of thought that is pulling us away from God that, that truth is screaming out, but we just can't hear it. And sometimes it takes community to wrap itself around you and speak truth and life when you can't speak it for yourself. So this morning, if you're here and you know you're wrestling with anxiety, you're wrestling with fear, you're wrestling with things that have caused you to live well beneath a place of peace, then I want to encourage you to come. This beautiful group of people who are smiling and happy and really, really excited to see you, They would love to stand with you and pray with you. Love to. So in a second, we're just going to close. There's going to be refreshments. There's going to be time for you to hang out. Um, But don't miss the opportunity to have community at some level wrap itself around you. This may be your first or second time here at Vine Life. But you know, there's something going on where you're like, you know, I just need to get some prayer this morning. Come and do it. Come and just let family wrap itself around you in this moment. And see what Jesus can do in these moments see what he'll do through as, he, as truth is spoken out over your life, just see what breakthrough he can bring as truth is spoken out over your life outside of that I want to bless you to have an amazing week if you're here with us for the very first time, do this, come and find me at the info point, we've got a gift we want to give to you, um, please don't leave here without coming and saying hi to one of us There's refreshment.